It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on this pale blue dot that we all live on. My name is Adamantium, you're the audience, and you're listening to AAU TZM Podcasts. Uh, decided to, uh, you know, change things up a little bit here. Uh, you might, you may hear some wildlife sounds around, because uh, I decided to go out into nature to record this, because uh, I didn't want to be stuck in the house today. It's a nice sunny Sunday afternoon, and, uh, you know... It's, good to get some vitamin d uh but anyway i've uh, got a good uh, you know jam-packed show lined up for you um i'd like to thank all of you for for clicking in as it were to listen to this as well i'm really appreciative of the audience i give so i try to step it up each time uh with like new things i'm gonna have some uh, you know audio clips to play for you later on um and also a, a big chunk uh, later on to uh, just set the scene for the uh, next coming podcast which I'll uh, get into in just a moment but uh, just the usual announcement for those of you listening to this on YouTube my podcast also exists on talkshoe.com uh, that's T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E.com uh, if you look down below in the video description you'll find the link to the call series as it's called and you can download the mp3s of this podcast even though you know as you can tell with this new format that uh it's no longer in parts anymore. I mean, I did used to uh, to do the the YouTube videos in bite-sized chunks so that uh, people could, you know, uh, you know, either that were lacking in either time or attention span that they could absorb the podcast in little little chunks. But I found that uh, those hardly get watched, so I might as well just put it in one upload and just put that up, even if it's like two hours long deal with it guys deal with it um but uh, but there you can download uh, the mp3s of it that way you don't you don't have to sit through a whole youtube video um so those who want to do that you can do that there it's, it's all free of charge as well um i've been thinking about uh, starting to get these up on itunes at some point um because i've uh, i've now got a hand-me-down iphone uh, which i don't even have a sim card in i just use it to access the internet because uh you know, my parents are BT customers, so I'm able to access the hotspots wherever I'm near them, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, mobile internet, just with a hand-me-down iPhone. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've tried to, um, you know, get round to, you know, doing the iTunes thing, so I'll see if I can get the up, the, uh, the podcast up there. Um, just the usual plug, uh, for those of you who want to uh, know exactly what the Zeitgeist Movement advocates, um, you in you know a long written form like a, a collection of essays because that's 
what this book is. It's basically a collection of essays. Uh, it's called The Zeitgeist Movement Defined. You can uh, go go find it at uh, thezeitgeistmovement.com forward slash orientation. I think it's uh, I think that's still the link. And there you can uh, find how to how to purchase a hard copy, or if you want it for free, you can download a PDF of it. Um, just to give you a, a very brief summation, the Zeitgeist Movement really exists as uh, as a group of uh, of people that wish to move us into uh, into a sustainable paradigm by advocating the scientific method, the application of the scientific method to social and environmental concern, um, realizing that we can innovate our way out of our problems. So let's do that, even even if it means outgrowing the monetary system, because we know that the monetary system's not sustainable. But uh, we can get. <laughs> but if you want to, uh, that's it, that's it in a nutshell. And it's a chapter-based movement where there's uh, uh, sort of like different cells, as it were, across the uh, across the place. There's uh, hundreds of chapters in uh, in dozens of countries. So you you know find out where a chapter is near you. If 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 there isn't isn't one, go see if you can start one. But if you want to find out in the uh, back to the usual plug, uh, if you want to find out exactly what uh, what the movement advocates, uh, go find uh, the Zeitgeist movement find you can either buy it um you know at um at quite a quite a good uh, good cost I'd, I'd say i mean i bought uh, my physical copy at a zda event at london and it cost me a fiver and it's a dense book it's a really dense book and it's an awesome awesome read um i'd recommend it for anyone who is familiar with the zeitgeist movement and isn't familiar with the zeitgeist movement because it is the real uh well i hate to use the word bible but it does uh, it does extensively explain the train of thought uh, but there's that uh, coming up very soon is going to be the London Z Day event. Um, it's going to be held out on Saturday, the twenty fifth of April. Uh, I think it's between. I mean, the the event page says eleven uh, thirty to five pm um, BST. That's pretty standard time. Um, but I've I've looked up the differential between that and Greenwich Mean Time, and it's apparently one hour. But I'm I might be wrong there. I, I don't know. I, uh, I think it's well. I think it's eleven thirty to four. I'm not entirely sure, but <laughs> I mean, I'd, I've never heard of British Standard Time before. Um, but yeah, if you want to uh, find out about that sort of thing, go to uh, zdayglobal.org. Uh, Z Day, or otherwise known as Zeitgeist Day, it's the uh, it's a global uh, sort of annual uh, conference and or symposium uh, event where simultaneous or or as near as possible simultaneous events worldwide uh, around about the second week in March. Um, that, that's generally when it is uh, that uh, that we hold all these events to sort. You know, give talks. Uh, you know, play little play videos. Uh, you know, have like uh, symposiums of uh, of different sorts, just to to advocate science and sustainability as applied to society. Um, but the London event, you know, because we couldn't get any venue uh, for the second week in March, we're now having it 25th of April. Um, at uh, it's going to be held at Conway Hall, uh, same place as uh, as last year. Um, but if you want to, if you want to buy tickets, that I think they're about six pound eighty. I mean, I I bought mine, um, so you can you can more than buy pay for those. Uh, it's on uh, Eventbrite 
uh, yeah, eventbrite.co.uk. Um, just look for London Z Day 2015. You know, uh, Eventbrite, and you'll, you'll find that there. And you can get tickets for it because the ticket prices are actually calculated so that we break even with the uh, with the cost of the rental of the venue. We're not um, not you know taking profit. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, of Z Day, um, I'm going to be uh, doing another feature. I mean, uh, for those of you who listened to UK Collapse Radio back when I did uh, when I did that, you'll notice that I uh, I went round and interviewed quite a few people, both some of the speakers and uh, some of the you know the uh, you know random members of the audience that were willing to uh, to answer a few questions, just done in a very guerrilla style uh, format. I'm going to do that again uh, for this Z Day. So essentially, I'm giving myself ten days to edit a whole like video slash audio feature for for Z Day, where I go around like interviewing people, and I'll, I'll include maybe a few bits of some of the talks or something. Um, but um, you know, I've, I need to completely solidify in my mind exactly what I'm going to do for that first. I've got all these all these different projects uh, that I'm dealing with, and I'm wasting your time with uh, going going through them all. But uh, just to let you know, uh, next next podcast is going to be special, and it's going to be the first podcast that I've done that is actually going to feature. Um, well, it's not the not the first podcast that I've done where I feature video because uh, back when I interviewed. Um, uh, Tyson? I oh, know Tyson, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my mind's gone blank. Um, but yeah, the guy, the guy who did Zeitgeist Live. I can't, rem- can't remember. Sorry. Um, but yeah, back when uh, I did the podcast uh, with him, I integrated like one of his dances um, into there. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. But this will, this will be the first podcast that I've done um, where I've in, I've integrated video of me so it'll be the first time you'll see a moving picture of me other than a you know a still picture of me posing that i took like sometime last year and i've cut my hair since then <laughs> but uh but for the, the the reason why i cut my hair links into my next announcement which is the um which is the uh, the threshold film that I'm doing. Chapter three threshold is the the conclusion of the tr- trilogy of short films that I've been doing. Um, I've been making progress with uh, with the writing of the song for that. I'm soon going to be uh, sending off um, to uh, to Sheena Bratt what she um, what she's going to need to be doing and uh, and which she can improve upon as well. Um, add her spin onto it. And once I've got that, I'm going to send that off to Racek. He's going to you know chop it all up make it cooler and you know make it epic and uh, send it back to me i'll integrate that into the film then i'll have that that film up so i'm sorry to keep going on and on about this every every single time because i keep procrastinating i keep letting other projects get in the way like for example the z day feature that i'm gonna do <laughs> you know th- this is this is one of the things that i'm gonna be talking about later on in the podcast so uh, so there's there's that um just for the uh, onto the uh, sponsorship situation uh, it's my unfortunate task to inform you that chip itch is now no longer our sponsor uh, since it was made bankrupt overnight by some unknown decision uh, turns out uh, the cream actually wasn't just your average antihistamine lotion made from the tears of fox news presenters supposedly um 
it's actually it was actually nanotechnologically designed uh, to be absorbed through the dermal layers and towards the chip uh, after its functioning um, you know uh, you know, going after the particular functions of it to alter its functioning and override it. Override it. Now, I hear that the black market got in on this stuff, so whether that's relevant, nah, I'm not completely sure. Uh, but if I wind up fitted with cement shoes, then you'll know why. So, uh, so long, guys. It was fun. Um, so this podcast is brought to you by Cochlear, uh, dissolving the liar through the cochlea. Uh, which is the part of the inner ear. Uh, Think about this. What if we could have a new means of actually getting politicians to tell the truth? For them to actually utter words as direct answers as opposed to the answer the question you wish you would have been asked tactic that they're used to. How, how it works is that you place on the headset and you can intercept and co-opt the script that is being fed to the politician via an earpiece. Um, tests are soon to be conducted in the run-up to the elections and we are actually looking for volunteers uh, to help us conduct said experiments in conjunction uh, with our own plants in the audience to ask the most important and relevant questions. Uh, for instance, uh, what are the limits? it's considered for economic growth um how can we justify the perpetuation of paid slavery when technology can free us from it uh you know those kind of questions and the results are instantly public now uh it would be there for all the world to see now luckily there are two security functions uh that come integrated as standard uh the first resides in the headset uh, which actually scans your alpha waves to determine whether your intentions are for coaxing out the truth and nothing more. Uh, If the device isn't satisfied, it simply will not work. Uh, The second uh, security uh, function is that the politician themselves will not remember having said those precise words and thinks he gave the answer he normally would. Now, this enables us to tap him a few times uh, before he has to be escorted off the stage, you know, since they can't get through on his earpiece, you know. Um, but to the audience, it appears like he's had, you know, some Howard Beale-style transformation and been escorted away as a traitor to the political cause. Um, so, if you wish to find out more about this exciting new product, go to www.cochlear, and that's C-O-C-H-L-I-A, ar.com forward slash trials uh, and fill out the application form and submit that along with a certified psychological evaluation uh, to receive one free of charge through the post. Uh, This podcast is also brought to you by uh, my entrusted triad of sponsorship, providing the points of preservation that keep this podcast show afloat. I'm coming to you free every single month without fail. My trial, uh, my triad, sorry, consists of Russell Brand, Green Party MP Caroline Lucas, and Sir Patrick Stewart. They have all agreed to co-fund this podcast until they can each spare at least ten minutes to come onto the show and talk with me about science and sustainability as applied to society. That being the ultimate fulfilment of their role, and they're free to go. Their role being filled by a new contributor. So. 
Cheers, guys. Uh, so, ladies and gents, be sure to message, tweet, text, email, smoke signal, whatever you got to do to thank these individuals for sponsoring this show. The more we thank them, the more likely they will actually be to come on and talk to us. So, moving on to the multi-topics uh, that, uh, that the show is uh, going to be dealing with. I thought I would actually start with the uh, election fast because uh, I mean this whole this whole situation with um, uh, with the election is it's touted out by the media as uh, you know some huge momentous thing where we would actually gain some answers I mean there's this uh, there's this advert specifically for I think it was for the ITV debates and uh, you know they've got some upbeat music coming on and then there's different people at different points in the advert holding up these signs like with particular questions on or maybe uh, you know com- some kind of statements and it purports the whole thing as where these elections are where you will get those answers for them when in fact you won't because <laughs> because the whole idea of politics itself it's just to you know perpetuate itself it's not to solve problems it's to perpetually service problems because if you solve problems then for one thing you eliminate the the facility for profits um but I'm, um, you know, I'll go, I'll go into that later on. But uh, the the whole idea of um, of of politics as it's presented to the population is that it's presupposed as the only means of managing society. Right? People only think about it in terms of who we vote for, and that is that is how you know we will actually change things. Uh, you know, so as a result, if politics is presupposed, then it negates any consideration of alternatives. It's like this is the way it's done, and we won't even mention any other way that it could be done. In, and even if we do, it will be in a hugely you know, distorted context where we say, oh, this is where these people, <laughs> this is how these kind of people live. You know, it's really strange, isn't it? You know, they don't, they don't have any shops. <laughs> you know, they don't even have any money. How do they get everything? <laughs> you know, that is, that is how, that is how the mainstream media would, would present a resource-based economy. They say, they don't have any money. They don't have any jobs. <laughs> they don't have any shops. <laughs> you know, they, they've got computers running things for them. Because the thing is, thinking at the kind of thinking that's necessary to move us out of this current paradigm is the kind of thinking that we're not that, that you know, not that used to using, at least at this point in time. Though I dare say there were a lot of points back in our history, like hundreds of thousands of years ago, when we actually respected the, dare I say, majesty of nature itself. Because, you know, the, the whole idea of permaculture is very much in line i think with uh, with the idea of just respecting your environment using using the land 
but not exploiting, polluting, or destroying it. You know, but maintaining an equilibrium, as it were. Um, that sort of that sort of thinking is completely alien to people. So, as a result, you have to make things scalable to mainstream, dumbed-down views and you know mainstream dumbed down thinking you have to you know you have to explain things in the context that they actually understand it which is something that i'll go into uh later on but um but it's easy to presuppose politics because we've got these people who are professional speakers even if they're not even if they don't have any particular qualifications in actual public speaking itself, as politicians, their job is to talk a lot. So they have gained a lot of experience in talking. So, you know, they can be admired for their for their bravery to stand up in front of people and blatantly lie and be able to get away with it, know that they're getting away with it, and pe- have people cheering because you're destroying their infrastructure. <laughs> but because it's presupposed, uh, because people know that they cannot trust what you say, they think, well, I've got to vote for you anyway, because this is how it is. <laughs> and um, that's scary, you know. That really is scary because. It shows that there's no way that we can expect us to move forward if we're constantly caught in the in the trap of thinking that the way it is is the way it always has to be. And the and the, the apathy that people but I'll, I mean I'll I'll get into the apathy later on. But you know we we're, we're like twenty minutes in. We you know there's there's a lot to there's a lot I need to cover. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's that's that's one of the things that uh, that the that the whole political situation, the whole the whole debate sort of thing. The the uh, there was no idea, there was no proposal, no advocation of anything outside of politics itself. There was there was nothing, no discussion of uh, things transcending the need for politics. You know, it's presupposed. Um, but one of the things I was just about to go into is the uh, the topics um, that are chosen for uh, for discussion are highly cherry picked, and because because uh, you know there's only certain things that you can uh, that you can allow in discussion if you want to keep your your audience dumbed down and led away from important issues. Uh, and even when you uh, when you when you do kind of cover those issues, you have to taint them with other kinds of uh, you know propaganda just to make sure that uh, people don't really get to the core of it. Like they say, we you know we need to discuss the economy, right? But they don't discuss what it means to economize. They don't discuss what an actual economy would actually be. They don't discuss whether the current system even qualifies as an economic model, and it doesn't even discuss what can actually be done to have a true economy. No, what they discuss instead is their own sort of proposals, their own projections, false 
um, false statistics and criticisms of what other people, uh, what other parties are doing and where, pre- where prior parties have failed. And thus, because they're saying uh, where prior establishments have failed, they know that they're going to succeed because of that prior knowledge. No, not necessarily. You know, you can you can still have knowledge that there's a hole in the middle of the road in, um, that you walk down every day. You can know it, but unless um, unless you know where the fuck you're going to go to walk around it, then you're going to keep falling in it. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you know it's there or not. The knowledge itself doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that the person will of um, is armed with the ability. Well, they are armed with the ability um, in part to uh, to avoid it, but it won't necessarily mean they will. Um, but yeah, it's the uh, it's the idea that they're they're presenting all. Uh, a lot of emotional appeals, um, and you know, the, I mean, one of the things that uh, that has stopped me really from get, being engaged uh, in politics is the fact that uh, there's so much uh, there's so much supposed need for knowledge of the history of particular incidents uh, in politics where. Uh, there's different things that they've said and different thi- like individual politicians, different things they've said, different things that they've done, um, and there's so much. You know, there's a, it's almost like there's a prior storyline there that you need to understand first in order to actually be considered to be any kind of authority on politics. You know, I mean, that's one of the things. You know, it's it's like a closed group of people that you know where there's uh, there's knowledge and and even. And even if you uh, if you acquire a good amount of knowledge, there's most likely going to be someone there who knows a little bit more f- um, than you, or at least sounds a little bit more certain in say- spouting some kind of bullshit that contra- that contradicts what you've just said. Yeah, because that's what a lot of politics is about. is about uh, It's about a gladiatorial, uh, you know, popularity contest. That's that's essentially what it is with the. Uh, with the supposed context that it's all for the betterment of society. Uh, when in fact, it's all about keeping everything, you know, uh, controlled, as it were, to not, to manage society. It's all about, I mean, the, the whole, like, the whole meaning of, of government is uh, to govern, to control, to manage, to oversee, to supervise, to, to, you know, literally, supervision means overseeing. Um, you know, because we're we're duped into this whole animal farm mentality that uh, that we have to be uh, controlled by people holding positions of authority. But I'll uh, I'll I'll get into that another time. <laughs> um, but the whole idea of uh, you know the particular. Uh, topics that are covered um, is divisive in of itself because especially when people like UKIP are involved the discussion turns to oh well what's what do we do about all these immigrants you know <laughs> so you know the topics are tainted and how the um, 
and how the topics are decided upon is largely based on uh, what is being spoken about in the media and you know what the pol- politicians themselves are actually talking about they themselves along with the media established the limits of debate i mean i think there was uh, a thing that george carlin said about this that the the limits of debate um are firmly established beforehand um and we're given an illusion of choice you know we uh, said that uh, if you want to if you want to vote um then you've got a choice um, ultimately between two polit- um, two pre-selected um, political candidates. But if you want a bagel, there's 40 different flavours. <laughs> so there's a it's it's really a dog and pony show that's purported as having some kind of relevance and discussing things that we think are actually important when in fact they may not be, as I'll go into later on with my. Um, exploration of uh, some of UKIP stuff um, but when it comes to the political debates as I've been alluding to uh, the the results of the debate I, I don't know whether there was a vote tally or something at the at the events but from what I from what I heard because um, I didn't I could not stomach watching the the debate all the way through I because uh, you know I tend to start ranting at the television um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's almost like a pain body, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll go into that late, to that later on, because because uh, I'll be talking about uh, some of this psychological reaction stuff. Um, but the the results of the debates, uh, as reported by the media, were not uh, were not touted out as uh, as actual, uh, you know, statistical. Um, Data in regards of who answered the questions more effect, who gave the best answers objectively, but it was, uh, but rather the media just shows what people thought of their own party's performance. You know, it's like you know, uh, both because uh, the the reports were saying both Lib Dems and and the Tories were claiming victory after last night's debate. Um, but UKIP says that they made a few points as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's like, every, yes, everyone think, everyone in a political debate thinks that either they argued well or the party that they supported argued well. Of course they're going to fucking say that. <laughs> but that doesn't tell us who actually presented their positions effectively and explain things you know without evasion or use of logical fallacies because it's all evasions and logical fallacies as as i mentioned earlier one of the tactics that politicians are so used to using is uh, i think it's an nlp um method uh, it's called uh, an- um, answer the question you wish you would have been asked so if someone asks you a question that's uh, maybe a bit of a um, a loaded question i mean this is something that the activists can use while still maintaining integrity right if someone asks you a loaded question as if to say you know oh so um so what's the difference between a resource-based economy and communism like for example what i um um, like what I was asked on the on the train when I when I had that impromptu Q and A session that I, I think it was the last the last podcast that I did. Um, 
But I didn't answer the question, how is it different from communism? I, I actually asked the question that I wish I would have been asked, which was, um, you know, what's the sim- what's, uh, what is communism? And I and I I had to respond with well I don't know you're the one who's bringing up communism please tell me what you mean by communism and uh, they couldn't define the terms you know <laughs> but um, but I mean I mean that aside it's you know that that when that tactic is used for uh, for when people are asking you direct questions. About about your own policies which you are purporting to actually have some kind of merit and consideration and explanatory power or have some some sort of weight in reality of something that they can actually do to improve the standard of living for even a small amount of people then even then they're going to dodge because the questions that people are asking sometimes uh, and and in my opinion not enough is the really hard-hitting questions like for example how do you explain um you know what what consideration is there for the limits of economic growth you know you keep talking about growth but we live on a finite planet so please tell me what you what limits you're projecting for this growth before we can't grow anymore you you keep talking about growth but it is that because you're unaware that um that there's a limit you know have you just not calculated a limit um but yeah they they use these kinds of uh, kinds of tactics to uh, to avoid things and because uh, a lot of politicians use different uh, rhetorical devices and logical fallacies and yada 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 they um people can't really you know people aren't really uh, formally educated to recognize where logical fallacies come up um and they uh, they you know they they get hooked on buzzwords and when those buzzwords are said it's like yeah he's he's, he's for the economy he's, uh, what what particularly is he doing with the economy well he wants to help it out well how well he's I can't name anything off the bat but <laughs> yeah and th- this is the mentality of voters that I'm that I'll go into later on but um but it's there's no objective measure of uh, of who actually presented their you know in a Q&A format I think or in a in a sort of uh combative um interrogation as it were which you know if you think about it debates should be (coughs) debates should be the most aggressive and uh you know to the point way of essentially shaking a politician by the lapels and saying give us a straight answer you know i mean yeah i mean this is kind of what jeremy paxman does um you know it it uh, you know it does sort of like reveal how evasive a lot of politicians get, um, but it's still not getting the actual direct answers. It's not getting their real thoughts on why you know why they keep perpetuating this system when it's clearly not sustainable. They would just say, "Well, I don't agree with that. Our policy is," and they and they go on their own script. 
they answer the question that they wish they would have been asked and people see this they see this certainty because they're not bogged down with the um with the difficult questions that they cannot answer because they think that their their evasive answer is going to satisfactorily address it um then they're going to have a lot of certainty about that and obviously certainty uh you know certainty is attractive to human beings um it gets our attention and we're more likely to believe someone if they sound more certain right and we're less likely to believe someone if they're less certain that's why the media love um love to you know uh spread around all over the place the car crash interview of uh was it natalie bennett of the green party um there was this car crash interview on the uh, on the radio where she couldn't answer a question and she sa- and she didn't have a prepared answer or at least a satisfactory answer and as a result she you know she stammered she uh, she stalled and as a result they say oh yeah she's uncertain so we therefore as a result we can't trust the green party therefore there you go you got david cameron you got nick clegg you got all you know you got nigel farage you got all the others who aren't acting as uncertain as she did so therefore they must have better ideas and that's that's the illusion that they put forward in front of you and um and people people swallow that hook line and sinker and they and they they base it upon who sounded better you know who who made a better performance you know some people base their decisions on on who won a debate based on um you know how they slated the other parties how can that actually be some kind of measure of uh an ability to present a political manifesto that actually has real functioning utility and solution power for the problems that we're holding it can't they have to make these emotional appeals and as a result you know the the public because they're educated to only really respond to these emotional appeals because information has to be thought about and that's difficult and that's time consuming so it's easier to just like uh be entertained by it and the person that you um you know you're more likely to be in favor thanks to conf- the the really asshole mechanism of uh, confirmation bias you're more likely to sort of um agree more with the person that you're already at least uh at least in part sympathetic towards if you're more sympathetic to someone you're more likely to you know uh see the see more of a merit in what they what they say that you agree with and um and maybe even overlook some of the negative things some of the things that they say that you don't agree with those are oh, well he must have been joking or you know we have loads of different ways of trying to confirm our our bias and um and we run from it we run from it we stall we stop and this is one thing that uh, that's going to be clearly evident in uh, <laughs> in the next um, the next uh, the first uh, audio clip that I'm going to play for you um uh, this uh, this was actually recorded uh, from a, there was a conversation between um uh, I think it's James O'Brien who's the host of uh, LBC um so 
radio station in London, and in, and he does a lot of uh, political uh, political debate, and he's very very good at it because because um, he is able to just hammer home with those with those hard hitting questions, those like factual questions that need to be addressed, that you know need you know pressing issues that need to be solved and whatever, and you know and he's he's very good in his uh, in his. In- in his uh, interview style, and I hope he doesn't mind that I've uh, that I've included this in his podcast. Um, if he has a problem, then by all means, uh, you know, I invite him to uh, to contact me. Maybe we can have a discussion on air about it. Uh, but um, but it was uh, it was a discussion that James had with uh, with a supporter of UKIP, um, and the guy uh, I can't remember the, uh, the the guy's name was Jack from Welling, and. Um, the, the question of the show was, uh, what are UKIP for? And, uh, you know, he was challenging people to sort of, like, call in and argue, you know, if you support UKIP, by all means, ring in and uh, and tell me what they're for. So uh, so Jack rang in, and uh, the following is uh, the, the exchange that they both had. So here's that. Start with Jack, who's in Welling. Jack, what are they for? Well, now, James, first of all, I've got, to, I've got to correct you, and you keep saying UKIP are against and uh, opposed to immigration. They're not. Why do you keep saying that? Because that's what it says on the leaflets. We're full. We can't take any more. We've got to pull up the drawbridge, to quote Mr Farage himself. The numbers on the leaflets that were being put through letterboxes in Clacton talked about half a million people have arrived here in the last few months, and we simply can't accommodate them, and none of them right, were in Clacton. True, which is all true. Well, I've just answered your question. So, yeah, n- none of them were in Clacton. Well, hold on a minute. Well, Farage doesn't say that. He, he, he consistently says a quality system and a control. No, I, so, you, how is it opposed? You, you, you <laughs> the question you asked was, why do I say that? And I'll quote you, Mr. Farage, saying we need to pull the drawbridge up. So, admittedly, he but changes his, he changes his mind every five that's minutes. That's control. That can come under control. Well, a drawbridge. drawbridge controlled immigration over a drawbridge that isn't there. Okay, we'll, we'll give you that. So what do they stand for, Jack? They stand for everything that the the, the majority of the country have on their minds, James. Yeah, go on. Some, for some reason, you don't understand. Go on. Well, immigration, obviously. Well, they don't the stand for that. immigration, do they, Jack? We're trying no, to work no, out no, what no. they stand for. We know what they're yeah, against. Well, what are they for? Therefore, the fact of the, um, well, they're, 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 they're listening to, uh, obviously, what people want. What are they for, Jack? It's loads of things, James. Go on, then. Well, tell me what they're against. I already have. Now tell me what they're for. Well, they're for a fairer Britain. How does that work? A sensible Britain. What do you mean? It's common sense. No, it's not a policy, is it? A fair. We're all for a fairer Britain. We're all for. We're no, all we're for not, apple though, pie and mother no, love. No, what no, are no, they? The give elite. me a policy that they're for. No, but the elite right, are no, not. No. <laughs> what, what are you on about? The elite are not for a fairer Britain. No, you mean the elites no, like not. people who pay four million pounds to a political party and end up as campaign manager, or people no, who donate a million pounds on the lawn of their stately home, or people who went to public school after a career in the city and boast about being Enoch Powell's chauffeur because he was the only one with a Jaguar? You mean elites like them, or a different kind of elite? A different kind of elite. Well, what kind of elite? Money, what kind of elite, Jack? Every party needs money, James. Yes. Yeah. Are we going to get a policy that they're for? What, what you're going to march for? What are they for? Well, every party needs money, James. So let's get back on that point in a minute. No, no, no. The question we're doing today, the reason you rang in, the, the, the phone-in topic du jour is this. What are they for? 
I've just told you a couple of things. No, you told me common sense and, and so fairness. Not they're not, they're not the policies. NHS. The deputy leader of UKIP has stated that he cannot see the NHS surviving in its current form because it doesn't have any commercial competition. Paul Nuttall has deleted the tweet, but he's stated categorically that the NHS shouldn't even exist as a public sector service. So what are they is for? That, is that is that in the manifesto? What are they? I don't know what's in the manifesto because the well, economic spokesman made a speech at the conference, and two days later, the leader said that wasn't a policy at all. They don't think they've published a manifesto yet, have they? Well, you tell me. You're the supporter. What is in the manifesto? Oh, there's there's too much to list right well, just now. Just give me your favourites, Jacko. Come on. Well, the fact of open door immigration. Will no, be no, we know what they're against, Jack. What are they that, for? That's the main. But that, hold on a minute. That is the main, the main question on everyone's lips at the moment, is immigration, because it is destroying the country. I'll ask you again. Too much of it is destroying the country. I'll ask you again, okay. what are they I for? I don't care, I don't care whether you could refer some other, other, other things that oh, I would Jack. definitely not, not agree with. The fact that they're, they're for the, 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 uh, the closure, um, or as you say, you know, drawing the drawbridge up, of immigration and slowing it down a bit yeah, is all I care about. I, I understand that. Can you explain to me then why you think immigration was responsible for the problems of the people in Clacton where there isn't any immigration? Because they know if they don't vote uh, someone like UKIP in, it will end up being down there like it is in loads of places in London, in Bradford, where you can't... It'll be like what? What do you mean by, be like what? Do you just mean it'll be full of foreigners? Well, two... Well, well yes. Okay. Oh, uh, mate, I applaud your honesty. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, is it any surprise, I mean, I hate to quote a warmonger, but is it any surprise that Winston Churchill once said, the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter? <laughs> yeah, that, that, ladies and gents, is an example of the average voter in this country. In the, in the UK right now, considering what the media are dealing with, what the media are pushing for, pushing on us, every single day, it's the idea that immigrants are destroying the country. And the thing is, that guy was scarily honest, right? If you, if you pay attention to what he said, you will notice that the you know the you know the parody of a lot of blind sheeple voters that that exists he was actually embodying it he actually said you know and you know what i um i'm probably paraphrasing here but uh, i wouldn't care if ukip were for something that i would be totally totally against but i would still vote for them because they care about immigration let that sink in. He would still vote for UKIP, even if he was, even if UKIP proposed something that he would be totally, totally against. Let, let's give an example. Um, he sounded like, um, I mean, a lot of UKIP supporters, especially in London, they, you know, I, I, let's make a wild leap here and say that he was a white male. I'd say I'd say he was a, a, a white, you know, Caucasian male. Um, for one thing, uh, 
<laughs> the, the, the white Europeans, um, we don't own these these land masses. You know, this is not our country. Right? <laughs> um, we are descended from the very first immigrants, uh, like the uh, like the Saxons and the uh, and the Vikings. <laughs> those 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 kind of people, you know. They, they're our ancestors, right? We're, we're the ones who stole this landmass, raped, pillaged, destroyed, and then occupied, and then multiplied, and then several uh, several thousand years later, we say, "Oh, it's our country! Get out, you bloody immigrants!" <laughs> and you know. Let, let's just say, let's just say, yeah, he's white Caucasian, right? Uh, the descendants of, of the of the forced, the, the forcible immigrants of this uh, this landmass, uh, the UK. Um, let's just say, if UKIP suddenly turned around and said, right, all white uh, all white men have to die. I'm sorry, that includes Nigel Farage. Uh, we, we need, you know, he we will make him a martyr. You know. <laughs> That would be something that I dare say he would be totally, totally against. But because UKIP also cares about uh, like stopping immigration, you know, because you know, if you really want to cut the mustard and say, okay, who who's also an Im- immigrant and descended from immigrants, white men. <laughs> what if uh, what if they need to be sent back to where they come from? You know, where, where do where does the white man come from? Yeah, I know. I know it's. Uh, I know um, a lot of us. Uh, we came from. I think it was Western Europe, and we sort of spread uh, and conquered Eastern, uh, like Eastern Europe and the UK. Um, but because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, where where do you draw the line between someone who you know? Because some people say, "Oh, I was born here," um, but a black man can also say that if he was born here, and you know, and people say, "Oh, well, you should," you know, you you know, your family wasn't born here. <laughs> and how how far down the generational line do we want to draw the distinction between homeland occupant and immigrant? You know, <laughs> indigenous and immigrant. Where where do we draw the line? None of us have that because none of us actually original. Um, you know, none of us are descended from people who are actually born on this landmass. And it, no, if you think about the whole the whole idea of like you know humans owning strips of land for themselves, it's completely fucking ridiculous. Anyway, but um. You know that—that's the kind of uh, thing that that we're dealing with, with uh, with people. You know, because uh, you know they UKIP supporters—they try their absolute best to separate themselves from BNP. You know, they say, "Oh well," um, a lot of people because there was uh, the particular video that I uh, that I used uh, that I used for that um, for that interview. Um, the the video for which I'll I'll uh, I'll link in the video description for YouTube. Um, it was uh, one of three conversations. I, I could have used all three together, just used the audio from from the whole video, but uh, I, I thought that would be a bit cheeky, and I'd just just pick my favourite. But uh, but that video, it's um, it's indicative of um, 
of the kind of thinking that's necessary where, um, you know, I mean, Jack was both honest and dishonest. You know, he both, um, he both, like, spoke the actual blatant truth about his situation that he would even vote for UKIP if, um, if they were for something that he was completely against. Um, but, uh, but the idea that, uh, the, the very direct question of what are they for and he could not give an answer because really the only thing that guy had absorbed from UKIP's uh, you know, manifesto was the word immigration and all the different buzzwords associated with their position on immigration being that you know we need to um, draw up the uh, you know pull up the drawbridge and all that stuff and then their supporters come out and say oh it's it's untrue that we're against immigration why do you keep saying that i mean even jack started with that um but uh you know it it's so much uh it's so much you know pageantry you know it's so much pageantry and falseness and it's really a pantomime that's really what politics is it's one big pantomime and uh, we need to stop you know, falling for it, because the thing is, we're not the only ones in, uh, it's not just us in the UK that are, that are really, you know, dumbed down in terms of, uh, you know, who we're voting for and why, because uh, the next video clip that I'm going to play, it's actually from uh, one of uh, Adam Kokesh's videos, I hope, hope you don't mind, Adam, that I've used uh, the audio from this, I've just cut off the the bit that he puts at the at the end to like sort of preview the other videos uh but uh, but yeah adam i hope you don't mind um but the uh, the the particular video itself i'll, I'll link this again in the uh, video description the video is called uh, obama supporters say the darndest things and uh, it's a real it's a real sort of uh, expose of the kind of real superficial reasons that people have for appointing a person to run their country. You know, well, they think, you know, Obama's running the country. They think that person is solely responsible, even though, like, we who know better know that, you know, there's different tiers of um, uh, delegation. You know, the, uh, the the president isn't, like, you know, the uh, the the only authority that you know that can be overridden by congress and blah 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 blah, blah. but uh, but on the on the whole these people think that they're presenting a good enough reason to give authority to a particular person over everything that they do you know and it's scary how superficial some of these reasons are so i'm not gonna um chanter on any more about it i'll uh, i'll play it for you right now so here we go you're a volunteer for the uh, inaugural committee you mind telling us why you support obama no this is my president hold on what, what's that so you think bush is a fascist but obama isn't i do you're what, so you sir you're an obama supporter yes you want to tell me why um, because I'm doing the thing here. What do you think he's doing to improve the economy? Well, making some tough decisions uh, around the debt ceiling. And how, how come it's not working? Well, I think he's meeting resistance. A lot of it is personal. But also, I mean, he's challenging the status quo. Well, he is the status quo. <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, well, he's like he's done everything Bush did, but more. 
Oh, I don't agree with that. The bailouts, the the stimulus, you know, giving money to Wall Street, the the wars. You know, he sent more troops to Afghanistan. No, nah, that's you know, not true. They're coming. They're coming home. No, it's true. They're coming. He they're had a coming home. Of 30, well, then you want to debate with me, right? Okay. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Obama supporter, man. Yeah, you want to tell me why? Man, cause man, I'm from the city, man, I'm from DC, a black man, man, you know what I'm saying? He's doing it out here for, all, he's showing, showing love for all us black brothers out here, man, he's doing it, man, make us feel good, you know? So it makes you feel good? Yeah, it makes me feel good. What's he doing? See a black man, man, just to see a black man in the White House make me feel good. With a two-party system, what would you have us do? I don't support the two-party system. I don't either, but we're but in it right Obama. now. Obama, he's part of the two-party yes, system. Yes, I absolutely do. So how do you say that you don't support? This is my president. Wait, 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 wait. He, really? Can you want to tell me why? Why he's my president? Why do you support him? Do you see what my color is? Do you think we're going to get full-on socialism? You think we're going to—I don't know if, if we're going to cross that threshold, but you think we're, I don't think we're there yet. But we might get there in the second term. Is that one of your hopes? If we keep praying. What is your answer? You want to stand in the middle of non-violence? Yes. So do I. No, you don't. You're an Obama supporter. <laughs> All right. So I, I get where you're at. Okay. All right. Thanks. You have a closed mind and you have no plan. No so you plan think, whatsoever. You don't, you don't think Obama's violent? No, I don't think he's violent. I think so, he, I think so that if he was killing kids with drone there, strikes, he does that Do you that think he wants to go kill people with drone strikes? Well, then That's why what he wants to do? He orders it done, so I would assume so. All right, so. you're out of your mind. I'm great because I prayed and I believe that God picked the right person for us. Ma'am, were you saying that people should be shot for passing out those fast yes. liars? No, we don't care if it's his president. This is the United States of America. This is one of the best presidents we've ever had. What do you think of the flyer, ma'am? <laughs> Pardon me? What do you think of the flyer? It's BS. It's <laughs> Well, you're not here. Well, you're, you're not. Well, you're not here to protest. No. So you, you shouldn't be in either. And you know, Obama's name is in uh, the Bible, in the uh, three books of Judges. Mm -hmm. Another book. Like if it's if it's the people who really own our government, right? The people really in charge of this country are the banksters. The people that are profiting, that fund both candidates. You guys know about this, right? That it was like Goldman Sachs gave a lot of money to Obama, and they gave a lot of money to Romney, and they gave a lot of money to McCain. What if those people said, hey, you know what we can do? We can get people to accept anything. We can get people to accept the drug war continuing. We can get people accepting the wars continuing, and the bailouts, and the money going to really rich people. All we got to do is put a black man in charge. All we got to do is give them a different colored front man and instead of you guys protesting and making change and demanding that things change, you guys will just say, oh, we just got to support him because he's black. Wouldn't that be a pretty genius ploy for them to get you guys and you know what? To, to, to sit you know on the sidelines? I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah? I think that's exactly what they did. And I say that because it is. They had to do it like that. Now that you put it like that, because look how many black supporters he got now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Bush was doing the same thing he's doing, but ain't, ain't no, ain't and really no black people like, he ain't had no black supporters, but man, you know what I'm saying, he got black supporters because he a black man, so yeah. I ain't gonna lie to government, they was smart as shit for that one. So are you an Obama supporter? Sure. And why you, know you support that Obama? Because <laughs> um, Obama's done a lot of things in this country. A lot of things. A lot of bad yeah. things. Like what? Not bad things. Everything's bad he's done. Not really. Like what? 
What do you like about what he's done? Alright, thank you. <laughs> Ma'am, are you here to protest Obama? No, I'm not. I'm here to support President Obama. Can you, you mind telling me why for my YouTube channel? Uh, excuse me. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This country isn't the only one suffering from stupid people syndrome. <laughs> Not all of them are completely stupid. I think I think mainly it's just because they're misinformed and they're uh, they're mis they're mis misguided and they're misdirected. They're misdirected away from what's actually important to discuss, which is you know what I'm you know going to lead into uh, now. The um, as I alluded to before, the uh, the idea of politicians actually addressing important issues uh, such as, you know, um, the unsustainability of uh, infinite growth on a finite planet, there's no chance that they're actually going to discuss that kind of thing because it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like what George Carlin once said, you know, he, uh, he said, honesty would fuck this place up. You know, if politicians were actually honest, it wouldn't even be able to work because without liars, how can the infinite growth system maintain the you know, the illusion of sustainability, the illusion of control, and everything else? It can't. Yeah, you know, they can't address the real important issues. They can't provide the actual direct answers that we actually want. They cannot do that for you, right? And um. And this is, uh, and it, there's a way that there's a way in part that it can be tackled, right? There's a way that uh, that I actually personally advocate myself with some of the activism uh, that I do, and uh, and it was demonstrated by a woman during the uh, the ITV uh, live debate, um, the election debate, and um, I uh, haven't done enough research to to find out whether anyone knows her name or not um but uh, but i was very impressed uh to see a person actually stand up regardless of the fact that they had a group had a group of politicians right in front of her uh you know with all the prepared answers to shoot down her direct questions um she was surrounded by people who were most who would most of the time be uh be more likely to say, oh, shut up and sit down, you know, wait your turn if you want to speak, all that sort of stuff, right, um, like crabs in a bucket, they'll try to keep, uh, keep someone trying to, trying to climb out, but the thing is, she came across very confident, right, she came across very confident, she wasn't, uh, she had open body language, she was gesticulating in the, you know, she, in a sense, it kind of looked, um, I dare say, if you were part of the audience, it looked like you know she was she was entitled to it. So a lot of people looked, but you know the uh, but if you if you have the certainty with which when you speak, um, people are less likely to try and shoot you down because they they assume oh that person's you know that you know they look like they've got situational confidence in that in that in that sense at least from that that singular perspective because you may not have seen them in any other situation so let's say well, you've got confidence in this situation but sometimes as time goes on people start to question do you have confidence in all kinds of situations are you really 
am a person that is truly confident, not just entitled to speak up during a debate. Um, but uh, but she actually spoke up to to raise the point that there are topics that aren't being discussed. And granted, I don't agree with her her list of um, you know. I dare say if if I sat her down we'd probably be able to agree on a much more extensive list of of things that aren't being discussed but I think um I think she did boil it down you know for the sake of brevity because she couldn't like stand up there and and speak for ages and ages you know she had to get out some really good ones and I dare say a lot of them were ones um that were that were close to her she said she'd work with people who um who were dealing with homelessness but uh, but on on the the issue of uh, of this tactic it can be effective because some people have been you know a lot of people have been talking about i think it was trending for ages that you know a heckler interdu- uh, you know interrupted david cameron there's like all these youtube videos up with you know a lot of them with hyperbolic language it's like watch the moment that a woman interrupted the prime minister during a debate you know <laughs> Uh, things like that, but I'll uh, but I'll play play you uh, you know the clip of you know when uh, when she actually interrupted and uh, pay close attention to the fact that uh, that it was dealt um, the way the situation was dealt with is something that we need to need to tackle on top of doing things like this. But I I actually wholly advocate people actually like personally standing up and you know holding public officials to public accountability um but anyway there's enough enough of my uh, my rambling on here's the clip we have clout in the world we can get things done in the world think of what some of our people are doing right now we've got nurses in west africa helping to deal with ebola we've got some of the most brave and professional armed services anywhere in the world and tonight's a good moment to to say thank you to them for all they do we're a nation of great inventors not from the when, audience, thank well, you. I, I think it's I good to say... Because I'm worried that at the end of the day, there's more thank of us than there is there. They're not listening the, to our but the, the lady makes an important point, which is there are people who come out of our armed services who do have difficulties, and that's why we should be putting money into the armed forces charities that help homeless people and people also with mental health problems when they come out of our armed services. Thank you very much. Let's return to the... There you are. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, it is possible to crack the matrix, at least to a certain degree. Um, she... Yeah, the, the moderator was uh, just trying to shut her down, and um, I mean, yes, granted, she did interrupt David Cameron like mid-sentence, but uh, but it was, uh, you know, I feel she was she was justified because it was a bit of a sneaky way to say, oh yeah, thank you for your service, you know, so <laughs> sort of thing. Oh yeah, that because that because that's. Um, uh, that's a propaganda spike. That's what I call a propaganda spike, where they'll use certain certain buzzwords or buzz phrases that uh, that sort of uh, uh, specifically uh, pander to particular people. Like, for example, the armed services. Even though you know armed, so- armed services are being ordered to go out and kill and die uh, for the uh, for the interests of uh, <laughs> oil companies and uh, and. Uh, business interests um they say oh thank you for your service yeah you help you help pay my wages thank you uh, but um 
but yeah, I mean that that was that was um, that was cheeky to try to put that in there, and um, and you know, and I think she was justified to to want to speak because of that. Um, she was, you know, and uh, and it was weird how the moderator was trying to shut her down. She was just not she was just not listening. She was just going for it because she was targeting David Cameron like directly. Um, and uh, and she was she was asking him this question and and he didn't really respond to her she yeah he yeah he didn't respond to her he responded to the audience to basically say oh, well the lady's making an important point you know trying to say well well yes i'm i'm not going to be a complete arsehole and say get the fuck out of here don't interrupt me during a debate i'm the fucking prime minister no he doesn't doesn't do that he's he goes for the he goes for another pandering route of yes the lady makes an important point that's why you know more money has to be put forward towards uh, the charities to help to help those servicemen um even though it's not going to be coming out of his own wallet, though. <laughs> but the thing is, the even because if you don't think about that concept for more than five seconds, you think, "Oh yeah, sending money to to a charity dealing with uh, dealing with you know former servicemen." Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but it doesn't take into consideration the idea that they were sent to kill and die in the first place for interests that they weren't even aware of at the time because if they were fully aware of them maybe they would not have gone to fight for you know oil pipelines or uh, you know um the uh, the war chests of international uh, international bankers maybe they would not have gone for that that's why politicians push forward the idea of uh, thanking servicemen for their um for their service because yes you help service the establishment you help protect the uh, the monetary interests of the establishment itself so yes as a result thank you for your service that's but that's that's put onto us virally so we start thinking yeah they're our heroes when in fact they're just men who've been caught up in a war machine um because they've been enticed by propaganda and they've been put through the mean grinder. i mean even the film starship troopers uh towards the beginning the uh one of the uh guys who works in the um uh, I think it's like a recruitment centre that uh, that they go to towards the beginning, and uh, this is the guy who lost his legs, by the way, and, uh, and he says, "Fresh meat for the grinder, eh?" <laughs> and they think it's perfectly fine to think about war like that because they think, "Yeah, that that's that's what we got to do. We got to do our service." Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, she um, how how he dealt with it was the pandering way of yes, the lady makes an important point, blah, 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 blah. not responding to her, but just responding to the audience. Um, but, you know, I, I bet he was uh, he, you know he, well, I wouldn't bet, but uh, I I'd hazard hazard a guess that he was thinking yes, the lady makes an important point, security, get her the fuck out of here. But yes, yes, she makes an important point. You know, get her out of here. I'm not going to address her. I'm not going to actually open up a dialogue. But yeah, she makes an important point. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting how um, how that kind of dynamic can can play out, and especially if uh, if journalists um, get hold of her after the fact, which uh, which they did, and um, and I'll play you uh, that little clip right now people on the streets yeah. suffering from homelessness 
deprivation and poverty and I was really upset that David Cameron tried to use the name of military service personnel to garner votes when actually they are being abandoned, homeless on the streets and also suffering from welfare benefit cuts. Um, in fact, so are a lot of people. People I work with on a daily basis, homeless, poor, poor with their educational chances, scuppered. Um, there's a lot of problems going on with backhanders where fracking might be allowed. There's so many problems that I just thought I had to stand up and say something. Especially since I gave them nearly a full hour and I find that they were still lying about a lot of the issues. Or, instead of lying, let's just say omitting the facts, because that's what they really do. That's what they've had a lifetime of training to achieve. That's why they all come from the same posh schools and why I'd never have a chance to get a say until tonight when you're all suddenly photographing <laughs> me. So yeah, people, you know what? There is a truth out there. The truth is that the 1% of people who rule us are not working for our best interest. But the 99%, that's the rest of us, if we start coming together in community projects and talking to each other properly, we might be able to do better for ourselves than having to be led by people who lie, omit facts and spend our money on themselves. Okay, uh, this is a formal invitation. Um, lady, wh whoever you are, this is a formal invitation. Come on to the show. Let's, let's have a chat. I thank you for doing what you what you did um you know i she actually made a hell of a good po few good few points um and if you know i dare say if i if i was stuck you know with uh, like several um several journalists around me saying well you know just giving me that that like minute or so of of a sound bite then i would say something very similar to that you know, I would say that uh, you know they're not de they're not dealing with the problems. Um, they're li they're lying about different things and they're concealing truths. Um, and she actually presented even like you know basically a, a very abridged uh, version of how we transition into a sustainable world, which is helping community projects and learn how to talk better, right? And you know. That I would, you know, elaborate being, you know, things like non-violent communication. Adopting non-violent, right? Adopting the teaching of non-violent communication into schools, into our, into our educational system, I think would be wonderful. I think it would be really, it, I think it would be truly transformative. Because, you know, when you learn non-violent communication, as I, as I've started, uh, recently, um, you know, despite the, uh, the recent death of uh, Marshall Rosenberg, I, I didn't realise that, that he died recently. Um, but I think, uh, you know, adopting that into into our into our way of uh, of, uh, of being in the world, it's uh, you know, I think it will be really really helpful. So you know, she made a hell of a lot of good points. So you know, whoever you are. This is an invitation to uh, you know get in contact with me somehow. Um, you can contact me through uh, through YouTube. You can find me on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, but uh, but yeah, get a hold of me. This is an invitation to come onto the show. You know, let's uh, let's hammer out some some ideas for uh, for for how we actually make this world a better place. This is an invitation. Um, you know, your your bravery is something that needs to that needs to spread. It need more people need to be. You know that brave. You know that. That's what I think I would have done if if I was in your position. I would have stood up, and you know, just cut in and said, "Look, this is not. You know, this is not explaining anything." That you know, but um, but yeah. 
Um, but the thing is, there's only one. There's only one critique that I would have um, for uh, for that kind because most people uh, when they uh, when they um, when they level sort of criticisms at the system, it tends to just be that you know the the idea of putting the world to rights. It um, you know it didn't. Uh, it, it, it doesn't have the it, the full explanatory power of saying right, okay, we know there's problems, but what's the solution, right? And you know, and for the people who only saw um, the the bit where she interrupted and not the video after, they wouldn't have any idea of what she proposes as as a solution. You know, she um, when she was when she was up there, she was just presenting criticisms, which politicians are used to. So, you know, the, um, I mean, but then again, you know, I've been in situations where I've been, you know, uh, faced with, uh, faced with the media in a very short amount of time and not exactly said what I, what I was probably should have said. Um, you know, when, uh, when Jeremy, Jeremy Vine asked me what a re, um, what a resource-based economy is, I said that it's, uh, you know, um, it's a system that, uh, that, that works in line with the with the laws of nature. I think I think that's what I said. Or it's uh, oh no, I compared it to the functioning of the human body. I think, but says uh, you know efficient and uh, effective. Uh, but because you know, I was I was just going on the fly. Um, but yeah, I mean pointing out the flaws in in any system is great, but it's not enough. All right. It, you have to. You must also present an alternative or a solution, and this is where you know it. You know, segues into the next part of the uh, the podcast that I'm going to do now, uh, which deals with guerrilla activism. This is one thing that uh, that we're going to be uh, dealing with a lot at uh, at Z Day in London, because um, there's going to be like a, a big section where we're going to be discussing how we can get involved and uh, and here's some like you know just just some ideas uh, off the top of my head if i haven't like written an exhaustive list yet but i am in the process of writing all the list of all the things that a person can do even on the very small level to advocate and help the transition towards a resource-based economic model natural or resource-based economy or steady-state economy whatever you want to call it a sustainable world um one of the things that i've done is writing on money now this you've got to be careful about because uh you know uh it's i would i would say just write along the border and when you do uh just post uh just write little little questions like one of the things that i used to do is um is write uh pounds of what and uh and things like you know ev- um uh, what's it uh money ruins everything it touches um <laughs> you know um i'm a piece of paper and i rule your life you know things like that along the border right and uh a lot of people uh, would be discouraged about doing this sort of thing because generally when you when you do this you're like well i've got to use the i've got to use the note for for things that i buy because we live in a monetary system obviously um but you know i i keep thinking to myself if i hand it over and it's been written on 
the cashier might not accept it. Here's where technological automation lends a hand. Self-service checkouts, right? Use the money that you write on in self-service checkouts. That way, the, the machine... At, at least, at, at least at this point, is not designed to reject your note because you've written a little, a little um, thought-inspiring quest, a b- very brief thought-inspiring question along the border of it. Right? It's not going to reject it on that basis. So, you know, you don't, you know, you can have it fold, folded up in your pocket, and as soon as the machine asks you to pay, just get it out, quickly put it in. Right? And then that note. That's going round the system now. There are, at some point, there are going to be multiple people that are going to get that note, either in a wage packet or um, from the bank or cash in hand where they work. Or they're, they're going to get the they or money lent to them or given back or whatever. That someone's going to receive that note and they're going to look at that and they might consider the question. So, use the monetary... This is how you can use the monetary system against itself. Yeah? Inspire questions written along the border. Um, I've I've toyed um, back and forth uh, in the past about whether to write any website addresses on banknotes. Um, I'm going to err on the side of caution on this one and say I'm not going to write uh, website addresses on on banknotes because, you know, it could be something that could be grabbed on by the media and saying, oh, this is what the zeitgeist movement are doing, you know. Um, so it will probably be a good idea not to not to link the zeitgeist movement on there, just to use the notes themselves as use them as you know a tiny flyer a tiny flyer. Right? Devote part, like, think of it as the banknotes that you use, right? Support the automation of labor by using these machines, right? Um, and in doing so, you spread questions around the monetary system itself by using the notes as carriers. And, you know, I mean, yes, granted, there may be, I mean, I don't know whether there's any. Uh, sort of authorities that would um, that would basically extract these notes out of out of um, out of circulation and burn them or something. You know, it would be rather childish. Maybe, maybe there is maybe there is measures in 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 place to sort of deal with defaced notes. Um, but but at least this way, you're not defacing the note, right? You're just writing along the book. Don't write on on the ink. Only write or along the border because that is blank space, ladies and gents. That's blank writing space. So, ask some thought-provoking questions, and you know, I mean, maybe make a couple of ironic sort of statements like, "I'm I'm a piece of paper and I rule your life," because it is true to to a certain extent. Um, but you know, use our money to defeat people's belief in the money. Yeah, so that that's one of the things you can do uh, when it comes because I mentioned very briefly about the idea of flyers. Um, we uh, normally, uh, when it comes to a chapter, um, there's a 
production there's a mass production of of leaflets uh going on because you know any good chapter is holding you know awareness events such as uh, information stalls and you know where they give out leaflets so you know it's a good thing for chapters to to have plenty of leaflets and uh, and if if like me you uh, you can't afford really to have the uh, the color you know double-sided glossy glossy paper leaflets that are all professional looking and brilliant um if you don't have the funds to do that then you know take some uh from from any event just well or just ask you know is it right if i just take some of these home and like give them out that i don't i can't think of any reason why any anyone in a chapter would say oh no 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 you've got to leave those check leaflets for the chapter don't you dare spread this information <laughs> no they're, they're not going to do that so um so yeah basically take um take flyers or even or even if not find a way to print out your own um my local library uh charges uh i think it's 50 pound per side if it's black and white and that's that's you know it, it doesn't have to be colored there's, there's just the it's just an optional um you know but advantageous aesthetic to add on for it to be to look professional looking but uh there's places where you can drop these flyers there's places where you can put these flyers for other people to see and potentially pick up or and or read um one of the, one of the places uh, that i've that i've put leaflets is uh, waiting rooms um even in the uh, the job center that i used to go to there was a uh, they had a ring they had um sections where there was like a few sofas like put together and a uh, ring binder that actually had printouts for all the actual open vacancies and i'd may i'd maybe put a flyer maybe towards the back of the ring binder some something like that would be you know very very easy and very low risk to sort of just put in there and other people might open it up later on and say oh what's this and they take it out and they might read it and it might actually relate to something that they're that they're thinking about at that point or something that you know they're some kind of problem that is affecting them directly maybe the the flyer would speak directly to that you know maybe you can garner flyers specifically for different places and drop them there specifically this can be this can be done very discreetly you know you you don't have to yeah i mean i would i would generally operate on just an assumption of of uh, of permission because if you ask permission you give them the opportunity to say no but if you just assume the, assume the permission, I mean, you know, there, there's obviously places where you shouldn't drop leaflets. But places where other leaflets are, you know, like, say, for example, uh, there are a lot of places that have uh, tourist information um, sections where there's uh, racks of leaflets of, like, the local local attractions, like zoos and amusement parks and museums and libraries and blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, maybe find you know maybe put a couple couple in there but like small flyers like unassuming flyers no, nothing sort of um well i suppose i suppose you do want to attract attention to them but you don't want to attract attention in the way that oh this is something that's trying to get your attention that shouldn't even be here it should be something yes this is this is important information it shouldn't say anything more than that it's just this is or or this is interesting yeah, that's that's what they should they should think. They shouldn't think whether that leaflet should be there or not. They should think, "Ooh, what's that?" That's that's what people need to think. Um, 
but yeah, uh, another place is a toilet. Um, a lot of places, uh, specific, uh, especially in London, they actually have little advertising, um, like advertising poster frames with, uh, you know, adverts for. Uh, I think it's for. Um, no win no fee lawyer things or car insurance or you know things like that see if you can um see if you can wedge a leaflet in one of in one of the corners of the frame because those frames are deliberately positioned for advertising purposes they're they're placed above the urinals and sometimes and next to and sometimes above the hand dryer because they are in a focal point of peripheral vision when performing a specific action. For example, pissing into a urinal, you're, you're, men are generally, uh, like in this modern society, they're just going to wa- not want to make eye contact with anyone else while their penis is in their hand. And especially if there are other men with penises in their hand around at the same time. You don't want to make eye contact, you know. So chances are you're just going to look straight ahead, or you're just going to look down. Um, but if there's something interesting in front of you, then you're more likely to read it. And if there's a if there's a flyer there that you put, you can just like you know quickly put it in there. You know, don't don't try to you know um, put one in every single one. Maybe put two in like either end of the room or something. Um, I, I mean, I've I've done that before. I put a Zeitgeist Movement flyer and a Venus Project flyer in the same frame. Uh, uh, I should I should upload that picture to Facebook. Actually, um, trains is another pl- another good place to drop flyers. Um, when I used to take the train, um, I used to basically, uh, you know, the the train I got on uh, when I was going home uh, was sort of like a six to eight carriage train. And what I do is I'd go uh, from where I got got on i'd find some find somewhere to sit put my bag or or coat or whatever um down like under under a table and i'd basically go to um yeah i'd I'd go to the far all the way down to one end of the train dropping leaflets onto the tables and especially uh, on a ta- I mean, I'll, I'm not. I'm not going to put it in someone's lap. But if they're stood at, if they're sat at a table, and they look like, um, you know, they they might be, uh, you know, if if they look over preoccupied, or if they're texting, or or if they're, or if, if they're reading or something, then chances are I won't put a leaflet there. But if it if they if they're more likely to actually pick it up and read it as soon as I slap it down on the table, then I will actually put one down. And I will put one down on every single one of the tables. Right? And I will, go, I will leaflet that entire train. Right? Um, but just, just the tables or the places um, where, you know... It, where, and, and when I put it down, what do I say? I, um, I don't even break a stride. Maybe I break a stride a little bit. Um, to, to slow down a bit, but I say, you know, a little bit of light reading for you, and I carry on, right, that's it, right, and I've known people to actually immediately pick them up and start reading and say, the zeitgeist moon, what's this, you know, and, and I hear that just as I'm like, you know, going along, and, you know, and I build up momentum as I go, I start getting more of a smile on my face, and that's, that's how, 
that's how the Q&A set, the, the impromptu Q&A session that I talked about in the last podcast, that's how it manifested. Because I went down the train, dropped a leaflet on one of their tables, said, there you go, a little bit of light reading for you, carried on. And on the way back up the train, because I was, you know, I'd reached the end of the train and I was returning back, uh, to, back to my seat, that's when that's when they collared me to uh, to answer a, a few questions. So I'd say you know trains are a brilliant place because even if even if none of the passengers actually pick up and read any of them, then some human being is going to pick up the leaflets at some point, even if that's the trash collector at the end of the night, and he might. Um, I mean, if you think about it, a trash collector on a on a train. That's that's a real life wasting job, isn't it? That's that's not exactly a job that inspires human creativity and and um, and excellence and knowledge and all that sort of stuff. It's just you know because uh, I think it's the job of the the uh, the conductor or whatever. But uh, but yeah, going up and down a train, picking up rubbish and cleaning whatever. Yeah, that's not a brilliant job. So you can understand someone in in that position who might hate their job. I mean, like, last thing on a Saturday night, when they would rather be out having fun with their friends and mingling with people and getting into adventures and having fun, they're they're instead having to pick up fucking trash from other drunk people who have been using the train. (laughs) And then, amongst that rubbish, he comes across a leaflet. The zeitgeist movement. You know, and they say and it's talking about you know a better world, and it's like mm, that's interesting because it it relates directly to them. You see, so maybe the uh, the the flyers that you that you put on trains should be deliberately designed to target uh, and appeal to um, train rubbish collectors. Uh, but uh, another another place is pubs. You know, a lot of places, not a lot of pubs have, uh, you know, sections where, I don't know, even if it's like a windowsill, they might have like a few flyers down for maybe local charities or cancer research or, um, you know, uh, local attractions or whatever. Um, put maybe, now, the, the question is how many flyers do you put down? I've generally settled on five. Yeah, five, five is sort of like a compromise between um, enough so that you know a good amount of people will pick them up and read them, but it's but it's also low enough to not be considered like overbearing because there might there may be other leaflets there where there's only like two or three leaflets and you come in with a stack of ten leaflets slap them down there they don't generally look like they um you know i mean most most flyers for you know social movements or anything they they wouldn't really look in place with uh, local attraction leaflets and cancer research leaflets would they so you know i'd say it's not a good idea to put so many in that um so many leaflets down that uh, that people you know it, it's it's like they become too visible if if you get get what i mean because a lot of this you're going in under the radar you're you're sub you're you're producing you're you're, you're essentially distributing counterculture media that's what you're doing. You're presenting 
media in the form of leaflets that questions the very underlying assumptions of the monetary system. Yeah, so there needs to be some tact in there, and I, and I'd say the most amount of leaflets that I would drop down in, say, you know, a waiting room or something is five leaflets next to where there are other similar numbered leaflet stacks. Yeah. Um, either that or, you know, just some, just somewhere like, you know, to the side or, you know, not somewhere that, you know, immediately jumps out of people saying, look, look at me, look at me sort of thing, but amongst everything, because, you know, I think in, in waiting rooms, people, people do get very bored. So having something easily to hand, which is counterculture and something that will enable them to think, I think is a good idea to pursue. Um... But uh, another another thing that I've I've found that is brilliant is uh, engaging current events media, for example, talk shows or any um, any kind of radio show or or media outlet that allows the public to voice their opinion. Because one of the things uh, it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword that the media uses, which is the public input. Right, uh, vox pop, uh, vox pops interviews. Right, the um, you know the uh, they they seem they seem like a good thing where they uh, where it's like yes the public have their say and um, but we can use that to to also put forward our ideas as well um one of the uh, one of the examples of uh, of shows of this that i've personally have found success um in the past not recently but in the past um having comments read out and even going live on the air to talk to jeremy vine himself is the jeremy vine show and even though yes i call i call the jeremy vine show the two hour hate uh, instead of the two minutes hate uh, two minutes of hate you know the two hours of hate um you know, even though I do call it an echo chamber, at the same time, it's very it it can be very important for injecting the public uh, the public consensus with sustainable ideas, sustainable values, and sustainable insights. Right? Um, I mean, it's uh, it's like any. Any echo chamber, you know. The, I mean, yes, the the voices reverberate around the echo chamber. They they seem to justify each other, but the more voices that are injected into that echo chamber that drown out the estab- the established views that only that only are spoken to serve the the current status quo. They get drowned out. The more people actually produce a counterculture example of how we can actually arrive at decisions, as opposed to just making them. You know, with, there's there's so much emotional appeals and illogic illogical thinking in our current in our social consensus that we almost can't recognise logical reasoning. We think logical reasoning is something that is oh for scientists in the lab, or something. Not for not for how you run a country or anything. That's about what you can say you can do and what you can change, 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 change. B B B B. You see, uh, <laughs> so. 
there's there's different things you can do. You can um, you can either if you have a BT landline, the the phone number for the Jeremy Vine show for for BBC Radio Two is an O five hundred number, which is the same effect of the O eight hundred number, which is free from a BT landline. So. I one thing that I ask people to do and one thing that I do myself every every single weekday is I set my alarm for 11:27 right and at 11 11:27 I I switch my my phone which my my old phone that I've had for like over 4 years it's you know it's like this old thing still works I use that mainly as um mainly for calls texts and an mp3 player and for the radio now so 11:27 the phone cuz the alarm on my um the alarm is on my phone so it interrupts whatever I'm listening to whether it's a you know a documentary or an Eckhart Tolle talk um but uh but yeah it notifies me because at 11:30 Jeremy Vine comes on to Ken Bruce's radio show and he talks about and he basically briefly summarizes what the Jeremy Vine what four topics the Jeremy Vine show is covering that day at midday so so you so from that point you have half an hour until the Jeremy Vine show starts right so you have that half an hour to think about what topics they're covering and think whether you have anything substantial and good to say about those particular topics right this is what and and this is what i do and i encourage other people to do the same one of the one of the things that i recently sent in was um because when they were talking about um you know the the economy because this was whole um like during like before the debate they were talking about the economy and what i sent in was quote why is there so much talk about economic growth without any mention of the limits or do we honestly believe that we can grow and consume infinitely on a planet of finite resources what is more important sustainability or the economy End quote that was one of the things that i sent in and i sent that via an email right i mean where i work i have to i have to like stand in stand in an alleyway with uh, with my iphone cuz my my laptop um won't you know <laughs> the signal isn't brilliant on the laptop so i have to stand in an, in an alleyway like tapping away tapping away on my hand me down iphone sending this email through cuz i'm basically accessing a hotspot which is in the ha- created in the house next door so because i'm a bt customer i can use the use the hotspot and I send the email that way, and I post it up on. I post the exact same thing up on the fa- on the Facebook, uh, on yeah, on Facebook, and sometimes on the uh, the Zeitgeist Movement UK Transition Group, and uh, I post it up, and I say, I dare you to post something similar. I dare you to send them something similar. So you can either email them; that's free. You can text if you want to expend the money on text. I probably wouldn't personally recommend it. Or you can call them, and if you're on a BT landline. It's free. So you can actually get on the air and you can express things like this, for example, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, um, before the election, they were talking about, oh, we need to create jobs. Uh, This is one of the things I said, quote, it doesn't matter how many jobs we create. Human labor is being made increasingly obsolete by technological automation. Those jobs are not coming back, and we wouldn't want them to. It's what we developed technology for in the first place. End quote. Now, obviously, I'm sending these in in the hope that Jeremy Vine will read them out himself. He has read 
out a couple of my my responses before one of them was um because uh, I think they were discussing security concerns of uh, politicians and stuff like that and um and uh, like whether we need more security and I, I said you know it, it doesn't matter how what measures of security we we put up if someone wants to blow up a plane they're going to find a way to do it yeah that's, that's basically what I said and Jeremy Vine actually read that out <laughs> you know so this thing can this thing can be cracked you know and i think the more people that send in uh, these kinds of statements the the more likely they are to be read out on the air the, the more likelihood it's, it's just a, i mean yes it's a numbers game yes it's a numbers game but it's a game that works right we just need numbers that i mean this is one of the things that me and uh david dan the uk uh chap the uk chapter coordinator um well, the things that we were talking about for for ways to to actually get involved and spread the message of of this um a lot of the time it comes down to but we need more people for that we've got so many brilliant ideas of things to do but we need more people and i think it's numbers that actually succeeds in this sort of thing it's, i mean even if you want to use a fictional context of jeff wayne's war of the worlds right the Martians were un, uh, the Martians unest- underestimated our numbers, right? Because it's numbers that can actually achieve things. You know, if we have numbers of people sending in things like this, for example, quote, neither party uh, presents an effective means to govern society. The idea of appointing millionaire businessmen to have power over everyone else is an idea that should have gone along with the rest of medieval feudalism. We need to each be our own leaders, arriving at decisions objectively, not allowing others to make them for us through vested interests. End quote. I think if more people sent things like that into the Jeremy Vine show, it's more likely that they'll be read out on the air and thus more of a sane voice is injected into the public consensus, right? We need to achieve that. We need to infiltrate the mainstream consciousness by, you know, bringing our, you know, our uh, our statements that explain the train of thought into and scale it down as much as we can i mean we can't fully scale it down because you know the the idea of a non-monetary system is not exactly very very scalable at all to mainstream consciousness so we have to scale it down as far as we can to really sort of like hit home this is why i made the uh, the weapons of mass discussion presentation um you know to showcase you know a, a bunch of logic bombs it was it was that video is just a a war chest of logic bombs that's it it's it's a <laughs> it's an armory chest or uh, you know what whatever the name is for that for the container of bombs whatever that is it's it's that for logic bombs that's why i i made it so people can quickly and easily dispel the rhetoric that we're that we're faced with and the rhetoric that we keep repeating not because we've actually thought about it but because that's all we've ever known um but uh, another another way of spreading this information mention it in passing to to other people that you meet in day-to-day life whether it's in a queue you know, you could be stood there and complaining about, you know, oh yeah, they keep us waiting. No, 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 no. You'd say, well, I wouldn't happen in a natural law, resource-based economy. 
Well, that wouldn't happen in a resource... You know, whatever you want to call it, you know, boil it down a little bit, because natural law, resource-based economy, yes, that's a little bit too long-winded. And you can't say NLRBE, because I don't know what that means. Um, so, you know, find find ways of, you know, saying it, it wouldn't happen in a sustainable world. You know, say something like that. Um, but, yeah, you could say, say things like that. Uh, the bus is a good place. Uh, there, you can actually... There, you've actually got them there. And uh, and you can um, you can sort of like gauge the um, the receptiveness of a conversation there. And uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, obviously, when they start climbing up, you you need to sort of you know you need to back off and you know just lighten lighten it a bit because we're presenting. I mean, I, I can go into that in a bit, but because uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be dealing with that in just a moment because uh, this podcast is getting quite long. Um, but yeah, uh, coffee shops. That's another. That's another place. You know, if you because uh, you're you're in close proximity with people having informal conversations and sometimes formal conversations. But generally, if it's a formal conversation, then you know they will want privacy. So it's not a good idea to interrupt that. But uh, sometimes you can you know hear what people are saying and maybe you know you got to wait for a gap. You got to wait for for a moment where you're you know that that it's more likely that they would be receptive to just a little um just a little quick um sort of like informal and and gentle statement that uh they they explain something or maybe makes uh if if they're having a light-hearted conversation make a similar joke along with them but something that makes them question a little bit or at least raises a question you know this this is the things we need to do we need to start raising questions using the socratic method because the thing is when you present a piece of information a person the first thing a person is going to do is um they're going to think about how it relates to them and whether they think it's true or not right that is yeah that doesn't necessarily exactly help when it comes to information that they aren't even aware of yet and and the information that is completely foreign to them and something that they'd never really thought about you know they're they're not immediately going to spin around and say you know what I've, I I only just heard about a resource-based economy 20 seconds ago from you, but I'm. It sounds good. Sign me up. No one's going to say that. You know, you're not going to turn someone around completely and instantly. I mean, there may be some cases where you can maybe trigger some kind of satori in uh, in someone. Satori is a it's a, uh, it's a concept in Zen Buddhism uh, where it's sort of like a, a sudden realization or an epiphany, and uh, and it's normally accompanied by either shouting or laughter. <laughs> You know, that was a good Eckhart Tolle joke. But, um, but yeah, when you, when you present that piece of information, they start thinking whether they agree. But if you ask them a question, you're not imposing a piece of information upon their worldview. You're giving them the opportunity and maybe prodding them a little to generate their own information right because a lot of people know what the problems actually are but whenever they think about the problems themselves they're 
they're blocked from progressing onto a solution orientated mindset because there's the brick wall of assumption right there of assuming that that's the way it is the brick wall of that's the way it is is what stops people from going from ranting about problems to looking for and advocating solutions that's why a lot of political debates with most people end with oh well that's just the way it is mate can't you just conform (laughs) and I've had that quite a few times so the idea is that when when you use the Socratic method in terms of inspiring someone to start questioning the system in which they live and the values that they've been taught to hold they you you inspire them to start them on their own journey of questioning and discovery yeah so that's why the socratic method needs to be used this is one thing that was that was brought up in the meeting uh the london chapter meeting uh quite recently that you know when you use the socratic method you know it's a far more effective way of communicating because when they're starting to bubble up a question they're not reacting against a new and and maybe threatening piece of information um but that's you know we can go into a whole different rabbit hole with that one uh but another another way that you can spread awareness bumper stickers it's one thing that i've if if you own a car or if you own some kind of vehicle um and it's for your own personal use and uh and as as a result no one is uh, is going to like penalize you for putting maybe a zeitgeist movement bumper sticker on your car or maybe some kind of design on on your vehicle that can be very effective you know before there was the uh, the the london taxi that was um it was fitted with a like its, its whole bodywork um was uh, um was like indelled with not indelled but uh, but you know decorated with a, a big like venus project design you know i mean i don't know what um what material it was made out of or you know but it was it was sort of like it, it the, the whole bodywork was just like covered with a like a venus basically the whole thing was like a, a venus project poster on wheels and there were there were like you know leaflets inside and things like that you can you can do that with your own personal car if you want you know it might attract i mean one of the things that i used to do uh, there was a girl that i used to see in worthing and uh when i used to drive down to her i, I parked in front of the um i parked in front of the job center because that was on the same road and i'd have a uh, a, a zeitgeist movement flyer sellotaped to the inside of the passenger side window like the uh, like the back pass the the back passenger window and i'd have that basically facing the the pavement so people would come out of the job center and they'd see a car with something stuck to the inside of the window oh, what's that oh it's information about how we can have a world without the need for money brilliant i i fucking hate not having a job <laughs> you know and not having money so and, and i used to i i got a guy who basically wrote on 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 the back of it you know you know in the job center the uh, the machines that print out job details for you he basically wrote on the back of that that um i mean i, I don't understand why he uh, why i wasn't able to get in contact with him because the the number that he gave for me didn't work but um 
but yeah, he gave his number at the bottom and saying, yeah, I, you know, I, all this time I keep thinking that there's some there's something more, and uh, and I've really enjoyed reading the thing. I'd like to get in touch with you and discuss like what sort of what this is all about, and uh, but you know that that sort of thing can be effective, you know. Um, there was also a boat. Yeah, I can't I can't forget to mention the boat that. Um, uh, that uh, that was done. I can't remember whose whose boat it was, but it had a huge zeitgeist movement uh, design along along the side of it, and uh, you know images of that go viral around the place, and it gets people questioning what what is the zeitgeist movement? What does what does the zeitgeist movement do? What does it propose? You know, um, there was also another thing uh, called uh, the One Planet Project, and that 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 the idea of that was to um, yeah, because it was sort of like an awareness campaign thing. Uh, I mean, the the, the website, the main website, is down at the moment. I have uh, let the uh, let the guys know on the on the Facebook page and on the uh, UK Zygos Movement page. I think, um, but uh, but yeah, the the idea was to you know they had like a series of questions to ask members of the general public, and uh, you know the, I think it was multiple choice questions as well about uh, you know the um, the the energy potential of geothermal energy and um you know the uh, facts about uh, fractional reserve banking and things like that and th- they would ask them the questions they give their answers and they and they'd say right and they and we they go through each question and give the actual the actual answer and explain why and that that was a very effective thing uh thing that can be done so yeah the one planet project that that's also good as well um there's uh, if uh, if you want to take a sort of angle that isn't necessarily zeitgeist movement orientated uh there's a book that i would recommend uh it's by michael norton it's uh, it's called the everyday activist and it's a very good and very comprehensive sort of step-by-step guide of a huge 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 amount of things that anyone can actually do you know things like um yeah, uh, whenever you have a shoebox, don't throw it away. You know, fill it with uh, like useful things, and uh, you know, and and give uh, like a little bit of like canned food and some toiletries or or, some, or something. I can't remember exactly what to do. It's been a while since I've read the book cover to cover, but um, but yeah, um, give that to uh, to someone who's going over to give aid in another country because that like there was this thing. Uh, before last Christmas, and it was, uh, it was the, the rucksack project or something, and uh, basically you you get an, an old rucksack that you don't use, fill it uh, with stuff that uh, that would be really, really, really fucking useful for homeless people, and uh, and basically there was there was this campaign to sort of like collect them together and distribute the rucksacks to homeless people themselves, things like that, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean. Yes, granted, they don't also, you know, advocate a solution, but it's at least partly helpful in soothing the actual problems themselves. That You know, that's why I'm not completely anti-patchwork. I mean, yes, I recognise that it is patchwork, um, and it won't ultimately by itself move us into a resource-based economy. There's a lot of other things that we need to do instead but that doesn't take away from the importance of um of that sort of thing but uh i mean there's one there's one uh sort of like a quote meme uh that's gone around facebook 
um, recently, and I I liked it so much that I decided to use it as the uh, the wallpaper on my iPhone. But uh, I mean, I've I've tried to do some research on who actually said this, but uh, but I mean, I can't find any sources that says who it is. So I'll just say it was an unknown. Uh, author but um but it really does sum up really well the uh, the position role and responsibilities of the activist himself says the activist it starts like an itch something happens in our lives that causes us to question what we know we open our eyes and seek the truth the more we uncover the hungrier we are for understanding but the world isn't perfect and there's a lot of pain and deception. We have the burning desire to do more. We read. A lot. We start protesting. Our family labels us as too negative. Our friends start to pull away. Our spouses reject us. We are labelled as hippies, anarchists, angry kids, conspiracy theorists and terrorists. We are beaten by police and mocked by the news. Yet we have become obsessed with spreading the truth. It becomes a very, very solitary journey. End quote. Now that that sums up exactly what an activist is and what an activist does, how an activist feels, and how an activist is treated. You know, it's very, very, very accurate. You know, and and I think that is something that that should. I mean. It's only a negative description because the activist lives within a system that rejects the very idea of activism. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, progress on on some level is uh, is you know advocated as what the system in part requires because otherwise it would completely stagnate. There is sort of like turnover and new things that need to come in all the time, but on, but only if those new things provide the profit. If those if new things come in that aren't beneficial to the system, then they're not rewarded with the media's attention or at least not rewarded with the media's positive attention, right? And that's this is partly why uh, politics itself cannot be used to subvert the system because the media will, even if the media does give you attention um, in a polit- uh, for your political capacity, then it will be through a specific filter to say, oh, this is what they believe, and it's different than what David Cameron is saying. So you might not want to believe them. That's the assumption that they go with. But um, but the, these are the kind of values that that we need to put forth we, in order to actually move us forward. We need to have those compassionate ways, just like what that lady who who inter- interrupted the uh, the debate um, said. She, you know, she was saying that uh, we need to learn to talk to each other properly. We need to support family communities. You know, very um, very few people are taught how to be altruistic because that's not in line with the necessary values and behaviours required to maximise self-interest, which is, in part, the basis for the profit-driven monetary system. You know, thus, as a result, you should expect acquisitive, selfish, hostile and apathetic behaviours because that's what the system rewards. You know, if you want people to respect each other, then such values need to be intrinsic to the socio-economic framework and educational system itself, something that the current system has the opposite of. 
And if, if you have to enact laws to force people to behave in a certain way, then by design your system does not work. Every single law created is an admission that the system doesn't inherently reward, reinforce, and perpetuate positive social and sustainable values. You know, the, it's a matter of... Ultimately, it's, it comes down to a matter of whether the system meets our needs. You know, I mean, the meeting of basic human needs at least helps a great deal, you know, in towards, you know, you know that, that's why what I said earlier about the, the patchwork can help. It's not the whole solution, but it's part of the solution. I mean, human behavior resorts to the kind of, uh, the kind of, um, the kind of violent things that they're conditioned to believe, uh, which are generally assumed to be in our nature, because otherwise we would start thinking, well, why do, why are they acting that way? Are they acting that way because they're starving? You know, are they acting that way because they're stressed? No, no, it's in our nature to be like that, so therefore we shouldn't question it anymore. Um, but, uh, but in reality, it's nothing more than our reactions to try and meet our needs when they're not being met. And how we enact those attempts to meet our needs will be, as I said, dictated by the dominant social conditioning and also first-hand experience. So, for instance, someone raised in uh, to believe that using violence is the, is, is the way to go and, and you get what you want by using violence then you are more likely to use violence to meet your needs. This is why believing that the behaviour we display is um, is an expression of our nature is a fallacy, you know, because it ignores the chain of causality between our needs and our means that we have developed to meet those needs. You know, the, the transition uh, starts from within. Yeah? I mean, being an, ex- an example of the kind of values and lifestyle that you advocate and inspire others by doing it because you become your own leader. You know, uh, this, le- this le- leads into the need to outgrow the supposed need for, exter- uh, for external governance. When people are raised with altruistic values and when the overarching socioeconomic ideology also has those values in mind and respects those values, then you have the perfect recipe of raising altruistic people and raising an altru- altruistic you know, socioeconomic system. Um, but getting there, that is always the question uh, being asked so loudly that most people don't even listen to the answer. Um, but that will be a matter of innovating out of needing such ridiculous systems of control and infinite consumption and stepping up and radiating those kinds of values to others to create a shift in value systems. Okay? So, I mean, this is summed up by the Mahandas Gandhi quote when he said, be the change you want to see in the world. You know, and, and how do we be the change? We need to, in effect, first change within us, uh, within ourselves by means of improving ourselves, by finding ways that we can enrich our experience of life and better the way that we conduct ourselves in our lives. And one of the ways that I've found that I've been able to do this is through self-development programs. You know, the... Um, you know, the idea that uh, in order to be successful in life, 
You need to become the best version of yourself as much as you can and outgrow the negative and scarcity-based beliefs and behaviours that have always got you the shitty results before. (laughs) Becoming the best version of yourself is really the most productive way to be in your life anyway. And uh, you know, because obviously some of the uh, some of the self development programs that I listen to are are also geared towards you know the uh, you know becoming a man that's naturally attractive to women. Because uh, you know most guys really don't know how to communicate properly with women. Um, they uh, they they go up to them because they you know as sort of like value leeches because they can't generate their own positive emotions so they have to you know uh, button push for good reactions in terms of like you know doing things to impress them or chat up lines or things like that things that aren't really true to themselves that aren't congruent to themselves and thus are completely unattractive but you know being congruent to a good positive personality that's generally attractive not just to women but to human beings in general you know and um and one of the things that uh, you know that i think integrating that kind of self-development and self-improvement um angle to your activism i think is going to help things massively because think about it man we have to by presenting the train of thought of a sustainable global system where human beings respect each other for who and what they are then don't you think and i mean in a society where that is completely counter to how we've been taught you know we really need to come across in a really non-violent and really uh, non-assuming way in a way that would actually benefit people and and come across as you know, non-judgmental, positive. You know, not uh, not demeaning or dominating in any way. You know, there's um. You know, I mean, I mean, yes, it's it's understandable to a certain degree because, you know, when uh, when you become an a- an activist, there is that sort of angry phase where you go through where you where you see the problems, and. Uh, and because you're bogged down by those problems already, you're already in a negative frame of mind. So you start, I don't know, like like I started uh, on the ridiculous conspiracy theories. And I said, yes, they're the problem. They're the cause because they're in positions of high authority and wealth. So therefore, it's, you know, it's them. They're controlling us. So we need to get rid of them. You know, and it's that kind of mentality that needs to be outgrown in in the sense of promoting a positive worldview because you need to recognize that those people they're not essentially solely responsible they've just they've just continued the cycle that's all they've done because the system was in place before any of us were alive so <laughs> you know the um well i mean when when i say that i mean the uh, in terms of uh, of the modern era of uh, the, the you know the 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 awful banksters and the economists and the billionaires you know those those billionaires were born into this system into positions a lot of the time in inherited wealth and all that sort of stuff so we've all been born into this system but as humanity as a whole we existed before 
the system itself. But modern, but modern humans who are complaining about these kinds of these kind of problems, they're they're modern problems of a modern system that is fighting modern evolution. Uh, but um, but I, th- you know, one of the things that I've been getting into a lot lately is uh, you know the work of uh, of Eckhart Tolle and uh, the the um, you know the teachings that he, that he puts forward for what he calls uh, presence or uh, or being in the moment or in the now um, and you know yes there's there's a lot of material that he's done but really to break down a lot of Eckhart Tolle's work it's about finding a way to enter into a state of deep a default state of positive thinking and the elimination of unnecessary or uh, unhelpful thoughts that's essentially what it is and when you're communicating with someone on inf- on an information store for example presence is very 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 helpful yeah it helps a huge lot because when you're present you're able to listen to that person you know and they sometimes there there comes up a, a tendency to try and correct them because you're the one with the information and the DVDs and the flyers and the years of experience of talking about this and they're a person off the street who has only just encountered this train of thought obviously the things that they say aren't necessarily going to be completely in line with what you as the activist agree with and what you as the activist know so you know you've got to fight that urge to say well actually that's not true this is that's combative that's counterproductive you know yes there's a big inclination to do that towards the beginning and i've done that a hell of a lot even sometimes um sometimes in recent years i've felt the reaction the reactionary part of part of me sort of like try to step in and say oh no no you're wrong no i need to correct you Uh, i mean that's i mean in a sense that is what Eckhart Tolle would uh, would would term as a pain body, you know. And uh, and it's coming back to what I said earlier when uh, about the debates and the fact that I start ranting at the television. It's I think that is a that is a form of a pain body as well. And uh, you know, and the looking into the the idea of presence itself, it's uh, it's something that can something that a lot of people who have a deep passion that they engage in a lot that they actually experience for themselves but they don't completely know it because you know if i mean i can illustrate this easier by just giving other colloquial terms that already exist in our cultural lexicon that describe the same thing things like in the zone or uh in a flow you know or on a roll you know those are names for presence when you're not you know when you're not overcome by unnecessary nagging unhelpful thoughts and when you're just focused you know it's it's about realizing that the now is the on, the only time i mean cuz this is going to sa- i mean some of this does sound woo woo but um but i mean if you if you look into it then you will then you will sort of see the uh, see the merit because you know th- there is a there is a lot to it where you know if you're if you're not having to fish through your f- fish through your mind for for something to add to the situation 
then that that's that's an immature emotional need the feel the feeling to add to something when you realize that the moment doesn't necessarily need to be added to you can appreciate the moment for what it is and especially if you're on an information stall and someone is you know giving you information of I don't know, say for, or even like their own opinion of what the cause is for our problems. They may be saying something you disagree with, but if you're present, then you won't feel the need to correct them. You will just take on board what you, what they say, and you know, and then you will say, "Well, I, I was, you know, I really appreciate that uh, that that you can that you can share that. I I see I see why you um, why you think that." Um, I, I see that it um, that it's important to you. I I, I sense um, I sense the need in you to uh, to uh, to have justice uh, for this particular cause because you've spoken about it with uh, with passion and, and and meaning. And I I, I really appreciate that you, that you can share. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously you don't have to go full on uh, with that kind of thing, but communicating in that way. Uh, it's much more helpful uh, for your communications, and because I've I've done that, and I've had people like say, you know, I really I really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've got to go, but I I really it, it was a good chat. I enjoyed it. You know, because we respected each other's views, even if the other person doesn't respect your views, you have. To, I mean, it's uh, it's the it's um, I think it's an NLP uh, concept of uh, of going first, of leading. You know, of uh, of leading the interaction in terms of, you know, you can uh, present your side uh, confidently, and uh, you know the 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 parameters are this, this, and this, and we can expand upon them as as need be. But you know, this is this is what we're talking about. You know, but uh, but you don't have to force it. That's the thing. Um, so, so yeah, I think the idea of, uh, I think all activists need to be at least some kind of fan of, uh, of self-development, you know, <laughs> yeah, they need to be some kind of fan, and, um, but, e- I mean, even if you don't want to go, go down the, the seemingly woo-woo Eckhart Tolle route, um, just look up body language, right, because on a street stall, you're face-to-face with someone, and if you stand far enough back, you'll be able to keep their whole body within your general peripheral, um, your focal point of your peripheral vision. So you can, if you look into body language, you can tell those sort of like non-verbal um, giveaways of when a person's attention span is either wavering, or if they're about to raise some kind of objection. Or if they're going back inside their head f- to fish out something to debunk what you're saying, or uh, you can tell a lot. Because I mean, I can't remember the exact uh, the exact statistic, but the vast majority of human communication is non-verbal, you know, and uh, and we we center a hell of a lot on the verbal when while ignoring the non-verbal. But if we keep an eye on the non-verbal and you know, train ourselves to be able to properly read non-verbal communication, um, then the people that we talk to will start, will, will feel like we know exactly how to talk to them and exactly how to, 
you know, phrase things in a way that... Because, you know, if you pay attention to the person you're talking to, they they will tell you by the, by their their behaviour will tell you how they would how they would react. You just got to be like you know tentative, not forcing information, but asking questions, exchanging things, you know, making them realise. Well, not making them realise, but enabling them to realise that uh, that you know you have a compassionate ear. You will hear them out. And you're not there to browbeat them or anything like that, because that would just make them shut down. You know, you've got to communicate non-violently, and you've got to keep an eye on non-verbal communication. So that's the uh, that's the um, stuff that I've got for you for, for this particular podcast. Obviously, it's been going on for a fair few while, so I might save the because uh, there was there was an audio segment that I was going to put onto the end in case if I didn't have enough uh, material to because uh, I I thought there would be difficulty filling an hour, but uh, but adding this, it's about maybe nearly forty minutes long, so it might add a bit bit too much onto there. But uh, it's essentially what I did at uh, at the twenty thirteen event, where I went round to interview some of the people. Some of them were the audience members, some of them were the actual speakers. Uh, but you know, I thought I'd just add it just to gear up for. Um, for Z Day, but uh, I think that there isn't enough time on this one. If there is, I might add it on, but I don't know. I haven't added up all the all the time that I've been talking. But um, but anyway, there's there's the podcast, ladies and gents. Um, if you want to uh, find out about more stuff that I do, just uh, just go to my YouTube channel. Unless you're you're there already, uh, YouTube.com forward slash a a u t z m. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me in the, uh, the Facebook groups for the Zeitgeist Movement. Um, thank you, everyone, for for taking the time to hear me jittering on and uh, and uh, including loads of audio clips. But um, just the uh, the usual announcement: uh, if you can um, download this on Talkshoe, you can find that there. But um, the uh, the usual plug is for t- the Zeitgeist Movement defined. Uh, you can uh, find how to get hold of that at thezeitgeistmovement.com forward slash orientation. You can either buy a copy uh, from I think it's Amazon or Lulu.com. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to that particular page, or you can download a PDF of it for free. Um, this podcast was also brought to you by uh, Cochlear, the uh, the device which enables you to hack into uh, politicians' ears pieces and get them to actually speak the truth and uh, maybe hopefully uh, spread some more information um, we're also uh, this podcast is also brought to you by our triad of sponsorship namely Russell Brand, Caroline Lucas MP and Sir Patrick Stewart uh, they uh, they provide the uh, support for this podcast and in return they've they've agreed to at some point come on for at least 10 minutes to discuss science and sustainability when applied to society so um be sure to message tweet text email smoke signal whatever you got to do to thank these individuals for sponsoring this show the more we thank them the more likely they are to actually come on to chat to us and just to let you know the next episode is going to be both a video and audio feature on z day london 2015 at uh, conway hall it's going to be a very interesting day um i'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, some of the uh, some of the people uh, there and some of the speakers um you know obviously i'll be trying to get it on video but understandably i, I mean 
I think probably some people might not want to appear on video, so that will just be, you know, audio. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be five, uh, I'm going to be giving myself ten days to get it finished, so I hope I will. <laughs> but anyway, there's that. So that's me. That's the podcast. You're listening to AAU TZM Podcast. I'm Adamantium. You're the audience. And I'll leave you with uh, the outro music. So take care, guys. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.